Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 35, and I'm drinking Monopolova Vodka. As a listener, you can expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, entertaining, and consistent in my reviews. I chose Monopolova for this episode because I haven't done a regular unflavored vodka yet, and this is a solid example distilled from potatoes, which is rather rare, actually. It's the brand also that I came to prefer for unflavored vodkas if I needed one. The bottle of Monopolova I have is a 1 liter. It is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof. The 1 liter in the state of Oregon retails for just at $20. However, it is less expensive in other places. The Monopolova bottle is a nice rounded square shape. It uh, has a short neck screw cap on the top. The label is mostly white. There's a light background texture, which is a company seal essentially in the background, but it appears all white. And then a dark blue text that is in all caps, and it reads established 1782 vodka Monopolova, distilled from potatoes, produced and bottled by J.A. Bacheski, Vienna, Austria, imported, product of Austria, and then the proof. Overall, the bottle shape and the label in particular gives Monopolova a sense for me, at least, of somewhat of a generic vodka, as if you were making vodka and just wanted to say vodka on it. That's how Monopolova appears to me. So let's go ahead and open this bottle up. Screw cap comes right off. As always, I am going to be using a clean Glen Karen. It's a whiskey nosing glass, tulip shaped, so that you can see the spirit, swirl the spirit around, get a good look at it, get your nose in there, get a good nosing of it, and you can also drink from it appropriately. So here we go for a pour. I'm also tasting the spirit neat, which is room temperature, no ice, no mixers. Yeah, it's the most pure way to try any spirit. Of course, in the glass, it looks clear as water. You can see alcohol tears or legs, which again is just the differences in evaporation of the ethanol from the water in the spirit as it traces down the inside of your glass. That's what the legs or the tears are. So you can tell that there's alcohol in it, but it looks like water. And on the nose... It smells like vodka, and that description, it's not a cop-out, it's a qualification of the category. If you've smelled vodka, this is what Monopolova smells like. There's some nuance, though. It's a little floral. I can almost catch some citrus or bright notes to it on the nose. You get a little tingle of the ethanol. It definitely smells clean. All right, let's try it on the palate. Mm. Monoplova has got some good flavor. It's creamy. It has a creamy mouthfeel as well. It's distilled from potatoes, and knowing that, you almost can pick up a sense of potato to it. It doesn't taste like potatoes. Don't get me wrong. You're not drinking a potato-flavored spirit, but let's try another taste. It's very smooth in the sides of my tongue, 
feel creaminess. It's got ethanol flavor, definitely. I'll say it's quite pleasant. It's been a long time, or I maybe have never actually sipped Monoplova Neat. I've usually mixed it occasionally used it as a shot uh, just to get the party started, but it's worthy of sipping. The bottle proudly states that it was established in 1782, but Monopolova has not been in continuous production since inception, though it's mainly been under the same family ownership or involvement. It has not been made in the same country, for that matter. The story of Monopolova includes geography, royal connections, world war, and politics are all at play. So let's start near the beginning. J.A. Bacheski is the brand associated with Monopolova. The J.A. stands for Yusef Adam Bacheski, and he joined the family distilling business in 1856. It was his grandfather, Le Bacellus, who first opened a distillery in 1782 in the region of Galicia, which was a historical region in Eastern Europe. In 1782, when Monopolova claims their inception, Galicia was officially the Kingdom of Galicia and Lodomera and straddled the modern-day borders of Poland and Ukraine. Galicia was a crown land, or royal domain, of the Habsburg monarchy that included the Austrian line of the dynasty. However, Galicia had previously been part of the Kingdom of Poland, but with the first partition of Poland in 1772, the Habsburg Empire lay claim to it. Geography and politics already, am I right? In 1810, Le Bacellus' son, Leopold Maximilian Bacheski, opened a distillery on the outskirts of the city of Lviv in modern-day Ukraine. Lviv is at the heart of the historical region of Galicia, and in 1810, Galicia had become a crown land of the Austrian Empire. The Austrian Empire was spun off, so to speak, from the Habsburg Empire in 1804, but in 1810 it was still the Kingdom of Galicia and Lodomera. The kingdom wouldn't be dissolved until 1918, following World War I and the founding of the Ukrainian People's Republic. But to make things more confusing, Western Ukraine was incorporated into the Second Polish Republic in 1921, following the Polish-Soviet War, where most of Ukraine was taken over by the Soviet Union. Lviv, however, was in Poland again, for the time being. Okay, back to the vodka. Under Leopold Maximilian's ownership, the distillery grew, and they were early adopters of new technology, using this new tech to their advantage. In 1834, the distillery introduced double-column distillation using the coffee still just a handful of years after it was patented. This improved distillation technology, capable of yielding a higher proof or more pure spirit, is credited with allowing Bacheski to sell products that were clear and more smooth than other brands, outselling them in the process. This higher quality product brought the company popularity beyond Lviv to other parts of the Austrian Empire. So our story has caught up with J.A. Bacheski when in 1856 he inherited the family business. Yusuf was a graduate of Lviv University of Technology with a specialty in spirits technology, so he had been trained to take over. He sets about upgrading and expanding the distillery. Yusuf is also credited with recognizing packaging as a powerful marketing tool, and he begins having export products bottled in clear glass decanters. Elegant shapes and the sort of vessels spirits had not previously been seen in. In 1876, Bacheski became a supplier to the Imperial Court in Vienna, Austria, and was given the prestigious Imperial and Royal Warrant of Appointment. 
This honor allowed them to display the Imperial Eagle emblem and purveyor to the Imperial Royal Court on their bottles. The company also exhibited at international trade fairs and expositions, winning numerous awards along the way. Bacheski was producing vodka and a selection of liqueurs at the time. Yusuf Adam Bacheski died in 1911, and his sons Leopold and Henrik took over the family business. Due to the innovations of their father, they retained the JA initials for the business name, and the brand continues with it to this day. Bacheski became so popular in Poland that the brand name Bacheski became synonymous with vodka. In the 1920s, the business expands, with new generations of the Bacheski family joining. They are pioneers of advertising spirits in Poland, using a local Lviv-based illustrator to create their iconic campaigns. They win awards in London and elsewhere, and by the 1930s, they're featured on two prestigious Polish transatlantic ocean lines. Their export business grows, and they establish branches in Paris, Prague, and Vienna. And with these other locations, they begin to use air freight routinely to distribute their products throughout Europe. I'm sure this helped to cement the company as a leading producer of vodka and other distilled spirits in Poland. Unfortunately, World War II comes around and wrecks things. Quite literally, the Germans bombed the Lviv distillery in 1939, and the company owners at the time, Adam and Stefan Bacheski, are killed by Soviets in 1940. This effectively puts an end to the Bacheski family distilling business that had been in operation for 157 years. But the story's not over. Post-war, a distant relative of the Bacheskis, a cousin, I believe, and Edward Gessler, who was an owner of a distilling business based in Vienna, Austria, acquired the J.A. Bacheski trademark. Working with surviving Bacheski family members, Edward Gessler combines the two companies into Altvater Gessler J.A. Bacheski Company. The reformed company focuses on quality. And it's this post-war company, based in Vienna, Austria, that gives rise to Monopolova, the brand. As far as I can tell from my research, Monopolova, as a name, first appeared in 1958 when the first products were exported to the United States. And Monopolova seems to be the name for J.A. Bacheski vodka in North America, but not in Europe. So you may be wondering, like I was, what Monopolova means and why it was used. A few sources say that it's a translation of Monopoly from Polish, and it's more specifically a designation bestowed upon the brand in Poland as the exclusive producer of vodka in the country, a true national monopoly on production. This is not true. Bacheski did not have a monopoly on vodka production, as another famous Polish brand, Luxosowa, has been made in Poland since 1928. So in 1958, there's no way that Bacheski had a monopoly on vodka production. My hunch is that Monopolova simply sounded nice from a marketing standpoint. In 1958, Poland was a communist country, but the Altwater Gessler J.A. Bacheski company was, and still is, Austrian. The perception of a communist vodka with a monopoly probably was just clever marketing, to be honest. Vodka, for most Americans, is closely associated with Russia. Though both Poland and Russia lay claim to its invention, they both probably independently invented it. Vodka was far from the spirit of choice for U.S. consumers in the late 1950s. Whiskey and gin still ruled, but tastes changed. 
1980, a U.S. subsidiary of Altvater Gessler, J.A. Bachesky, was opened, helping expand their U.S. sales substantially. And in 2011, the Austrian company began exporting to Poland, making J.A. Bachesky branded spirits available in Poland once again. Here in the United States, it seems Monopolova is adhering to the old adage that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The label is, as far as I can tell, substantially unchanged since they entered the U.S. market. It's still made from potatoes. It's still a value brand, though I wouldn't call it cheap. And they package it in every size you could want, from 50 milliliter airplane bottle size up to 1.75 liter handles. The one liter that I bought is the size I favor. It's 25% larger than the 750 milliliter and usually just a few dollars more than the fifth. So let's move on to production. The great thing about vodka is it's ready to drink once brought to bottling proof with pure water straight out of the still. To be classified as vodka, the distilled spirit can be made from anything literally anything, and there's some weird ones out there. But the vast majority, well over 95% of all vodka worldwide, is distilled from grain. Potato vodkas, like Monopolova, are actually quite rare. To be classified as a vodka, you have to distill to a very high proof, and this removes most flavor from the resulting spirit because you're approaching a pure ethanol. It's a neutral spirit. The only thing I know about Monopolova specifically from a production standpoint is what they tell you on the label, which says it's made from select potato varieties. They don't say which ones, but that likely just gives them sourcing flexibility, to be honest. It's a safe bet that production is rather industrial. Potatoes will need to be harvested, washed, ground and fermented, then distilled in a continuous still to as high as 190 proof or 95% alcohol by volume, then diluted down to a bottling strength of 40% ABV or 80 proof using pure water. And that's it. Bottle it up, box it up, and ship it out. No aging, no resting, nothing. Vodka could go from farm to bottle in as little as a week. And on to cocktails and consumption. Monopolova is unflavored vodka, so you can mix it with anything you like. It's really good as a base for any mixed drink that you just want the alcohol punch, but you don't want the spirit to be the lead flavor note in it. That's what vodka is for. Monopolova, though, is really quite good neat. You've got some flavor to it, and the myth or perception that vodka needs to be devoid of flavor and just flavorless alcohol, I think is is a disservice to the category of vodka. One of the reasons I started this podcast was because I love flavor. And while Monopolova is an unflavored vodka, it tastes like vodka. So the flavor of vodka, I find quite pleasing as well. Much like many people, myself included, like the flavor of whiskey. And whiskey will be unflavored. It'll pick up a lot of flavors from the maturation and distillation process, but they're not adding other things to it like a liqueur. Monopolova, it's good neat, and it's good on the rocks as well. For Monopolova specifically, I would recommend against freezing it. Many people will keep a bottle of unflavored vodka in the freezer, but I think when you chill it that much, you really mute the subtle flavors of the spirit and you get close to a taste of nothing. So I guess if that's what you're going for, if you don't want to taste the alcohol, sure, put it in the freezer. But I would recommend either drinking it room temperature or chilling it on the rocks. 
So in summary, what do I think of Monopolova? To be honest, I was quite surprised in doing the research about how full the brand story of the J.A. Bacheski family of distillers became. And a lot of the political intrigue and the changing of the map, so to speak, in the particular part of Europe where they were founded. The borders crossed them multiple times throughout the course of their company. And then, unfortunately, world wars wrecked a lot of things, but a relative was able to revive it, and that is why we have Monopolova. And to be honest, it's award-winning. It constantly wins awards for best-tasting vodkas, I mean, gold medals all the time, all over the world. So while it is inexpensive and rather unassuming from a packaging standpoint, you're never going to see TV ads for Monopolova, make sure you've got a bottle of it. Get the fancy high-end vodkas if you want, but Monopolova, it should be part of your home liquor collection. So that's going to do it for this 35th episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast platform. That's where I am. I also recently launched a mailing list if you want to join the list. I will email you weekly when episodes post the show notes, a link to the audio file, and photos. You can see the photos on my social media channels. I'm on Facebook and Instagram primarily. Please leave me your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening.